Oh, welcome back. Again, another episode, season four of the Virtus Podcast. I keep saying it every week, but we're very lucky today because M, M so we'll give a bit of background for M first. M works at a gym called IFP. M is an osteo by trade, but M used to be an intern here at Virtus way back in the day. So much back in the day that she asked when she got here if we go down the road to do the <sighs> podcast, which we did five, maybe five years ago, potentially longer. So when the interns say they'll come back and visit and they'll, they'll spend some time with us, they definitely are lying. But I have reeled M back in today, begrudgingly. She looks more comfortable what she did two and a half minutes ago when I told her <laughs> to sit down. <laughs> but without, I'm not going to say it because everyone keeps yelling at me for saying it. M, how are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Are you sure? I mean, besides the morning attacks, I'm good. Morning attacks? What do you mean? <laughs> and to be fair, I did visit. I just came to visit Greg. Well, I mean, I've <laughs> just come for Greg too, to be fair. Mm. He's not going to hear that because he hates us and doesn't listen to this, but... That's fair enough. He's too busy walking, I guess. Yeah. How, who are you, Em? What do you do? So you're an osteo, you work at IFP. What's If you were to summarise Em Wallace, introduce yourself, Oof. what would you say? Um, I'd pretty much probably say what you said. I'm an osteo by trade. I did SNC before that. Um, I currently work at IFP, which is great. So I was there first as an SNC coach and then left for a little bit and then came back in a dual role managing high performance and rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and other than that, that's pretty much the crux of it. Yeah. What's the makeup of your week look like now? Um, I'm at IFP from pretty much 10 to 6 most days um, and I manage a couple of rehab athletes. I manage our high-performance athletes. And um, generally I do some some out outreaching to clubs and educate them on how they should manage their load. And we have some affiliated clubs that we work with that, you know, filter some people in for rehab. Um, so then we micromanage them like a high-level club would. Or mm-hmm. well, that's the idea behind it anyway. Mm-hmm. How, so, did that, how did that start? Um, so I think it started when I, I originally left... IFP for um, another high-performance facility. Um, that's how they ran things at um, Axis in yeah. Narrow Warren. Yeah. And then the boys at IFP called me and offered me an opportunity to come back because they really wanted to work in the high-performance space um, and run like an athlete development program and then work on the rehab as well. And they were pretty much ambushed me in the meeting and said what would it take to get you back and <laughs> I'm sure that went down with you <laughs> yeah I was uh, yeah I just laid all my cards on the table and I was like oh they're not going to take that that's a bit much and they're like okay we'll do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey that's good you got the power that's the best part about yeah, it yeah yeah so it was good they were they were super good about it um yeah and it was obviously hard to leave the other place because it, w- it wasn't um wasn't bad in any stretch, but yep. it's just a good opportunity for me to, to take. Yeah. What are the some of the things you've started to introduce at IFP? Um, it's not something they've done before, really. Yeah. So we have uh, high performance classes mm-hmm. where they everyone gets their own program based on their sport, whether it's like field, court, um, or like moto stuff. Yep. And then we pretty much coach them through their programs and we implement testing on a regular basis so we've just got all the valid equipment in as well which has been great so loving the new toys mm-hmm. <laughs> um so we got a nord board some speed gates and then a dynamo and um some force plates the little handheld like modifiable one the dunno yeah the modifiable one that is tension straps got everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good um so we pretty much test our athletes as they come in and then retest them six weeks after or our rehab athletes will retest weekly mm-hmm. um so it was good to add the osteo side of things with the whole movement screen and mobility first and then add the performance side of things with all the valid testing equipment and then be able to redo it every every six weeks and make sure we're modifying load as needed. Yep. Yeah. What's your uh, like aim or outcome, like your intention for the program? Like what do you want it to achieve? Well, I just want athletes to get better, mm. to be honest, um, and just have more confidence around their performance as well. I think a lot of people undershoot their capabilities. So... Yeah, I just want them to be able to get through, you know, their sport or season and go relatively uninjured, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Touch wood. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and um, be able to improve their performance and, make, like, better themselves. Mm-hmm. And generally, generally as a as a side to that, they just become better humans. They're in a good environment more often, like, yeah. around good people. So, yeah. Nice. What, uh, where do you think that intention comes from, like, for you personally? Um. 
I, I, I'm a very caring person. Yep. Um, so it's, I think it's my, in my nature to want to help people get better. So generally like, that's just where I've filtered to all the time. You know, I was in SNC and trying to help people improve themselves. And then I went into osteo and trying to help people feel better and get out of pain um, and help them on their path to rehab to, to go back to what they love doing. So I think it's just in my nature as the person I am to try and facilitate that. Nice, because I think like all of us get into that for a specific reason, but we all have our own reasons for why we do it. Mm. So like for me, for example, like I got into doing this because I made mistakes when I was a younger athlete. Still care about people enough, but I was like, I don't want to have or see other people make the same mistakes that I did trying to be an athlete. Yeah. Whether that, that means that you make it or not, psh, probably not. Yeah. But it's the feeling of giving it your best shot, I guess. So that's where that kind of comes from. Yeah. Um, we're going to touch on, we're going to talk shop a little later. So topic yep. for the day will obviously be systemizing uh, the rehab continuum. Yep. We'll start with that. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to talk shop later. But what are you doing in your spare time, man? Oh, um, well, I know you're very business, so I'm going to make you talk about you a little bit more. <laughs> and I know you're going to hate it, but that's the best part about podcasting yeah. is you can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to put me on fire, so. <laughs> oh, I ain't on fire. <laughs> um, so I've given up trying to be an athlete mm. myself because I've, what? well, I've said this on other podcasts. I'm a bit of all effort, no finesse. And I don't know if I have the effort to give it anymore. <laughs> so it doesn't really leave me with is much. Is that an age thing or a, and I'm not saying you're old, careful, or horsey. Tread lightly. Or horsey. <laughs> Is that an age thing or just uh, not going to get to a point where you want to get to? Um, I think I just lost the drive for it yep. a little bit, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, you know, we all went through a stage where our sport was everything and you were kind of willing to give up, you know, three hours, two times a week and then pretty much a whole day on your weekend at least yep. and then some of your Sunday if you're recovering well as well. And I just don't think it's what motivates or drives me anymore. Like... Mm-hmm. I'm happy to play some offside, you know, fill in some basketball. I shouldn't say that. I'm terrible at basketball. But like, you hear that, everyone? <laughs> Emily is up for sale. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can be bought. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Especially like I'm happy. Banana to... bread and a coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I'm happy to do it as a side, but I don't think I could commit to it how I used to commit to it. Yeah. Um, so now I'm a little bit boring. I just go out uh, to the beach. I'll be reading um, – Going for a run, doing fit things. What do you What do you do for your training now? Now that you don't have athletic endeavors, athletic endeavors, like what's What's the makeup of your week look like? Like, what do you like to do? What's the things you avoid doing now? You don't have to. Oh, I just really try and not do bench press, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to because I give. I it to remember Emma was bench press phase. Don't I worry. just. I was don't. actually I was actually looking at videos of you and I when you were down here. Oh no! On my phone, and God, I hope you can front squat better now because. Oh, that was terrible, that was wasn't pretty. it? That was all sorts <laughs> yeah, of bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because I was talking, I was literally come across it on my phone the other day, just clearing out space for the podcast. Actually. Oh great! I was going through all my videos. Hope you deleted it. No, I don't think I did. I was like, oh, I'm going to need it's that one day. <laughs> George, I'll put it here. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> if you're listening, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a very baby M. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, I've grown into better front squats. <laughs> um, I do three strength sessions a week generally that I actually program for my performance athletes. So I'm a bit advocate of if you're going to give something to someone, you need to know how it feels, and yep. then um, obviously how you're going to coach things that work or won't work and you know at least you can sort of then say to your athlete well like no I've done it like this is why you need it I know it's hard or doesn't feel great or whatever but it serves a purpose so um, I do incorporate those sessions sometimes and you can't ever get angry at who's programming for you because it's me so it just comes back on me um, we do like like crossfitty type Saturday like it's hard like blanket it is hard and the preference is I don't care that it's hard because I did it on Wednesday so I know how hard it is yeah. Um, but the last few weeks, I haven't done it on Wednesday. I've done it with them on Saturday. And I'm like, you guys can yell at me, but I know it's going to be hard. And you know it's going to be hard. So suck it up. And you're still here. Yeah. Yeah. Do oh, hard shit. Yeah, exactly. Do the hard Character shit. Building. Sure. Yeah. Right. I am. Um, podcast, talking to me. <laughs> yeah. That's, what, that's how I describe it, actually. Yeah. Um, Jazz will like us saying that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Jazz is very much a character build type person. Yeah, good. Which makes us jazz do something for character building. <laughs> Normally, it's a podcast, <laughs> poor, poor actually. Poor jazz. Yeah, poor jazz. <laughs> she puts up with a bit of shit for me. Oh, God. What's new? Well, but I mean, like, if you're going to hang out with me five days a week, two different jobs, it's going to come back. Yeah, that's a fair, <laughs> that's a fair assessment. I know. I get it. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'd usually do jump into two conditioning classes a week 
at IFP. Um, I think I'm slowly losing workout partners through that because <laughs> I have the same attitude as you. I'm like, well, we're here now, so yeah, yeah. just send it, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and they are hard. Like the the Saturdays as well for yeah. us are typically like you're here for it. So um, they've been really good. And then I'll generally run like anywhere from two to three times a week. Nice. Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you want to get out of your training now? Are you just training for fun? It's a question uh, I get asked all the time, actually. So I'm, I'm curious about it. Yeah, I think for the moment, it's like, it's obviously has health undertones. Like I want to be healthy. Like I want to maintain um, a good base of strength for all the benefits that come with it. But it is for fun. Like it's not for, I'm not looking to improve performance or anything like that. But I did get on the Nord board the other day and it was abysmal. Oh boy. <laughs> what Define bad. abysmal though. Oh, it was not anywhere near the benchmark it should Above be. Above 200? Just. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> just makes good. me a little nervous. Yeah. Above two hundred is well below two hundred, that's that's alarm bells, but Yeah, it wasn't fantastic, but so maybe I should be training for performance just so I don't tear I mean, an hamstring getting into my car or something. <laughs> or getting on the basketball court when you get bored after this comes yeah. out. <laughs> if you've ever seen me play basketball, that's a mistake. Don't let that happen. I can imagine. I think arms and legs go this way. <laughs> I have to watch the and ball. For people listening, I was pointing opposite ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Uh, what else do you do for hobbies? What What do you do? Um, so I like to ask the question: like, what do you do after dinner? After dinner, usually uh, I do a lot of PD stuff at the moment. Of you do. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nerd. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I love it. Takes one to know one. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair bump. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I do a lot of PD stuff. I just, I really enjoy it. And um, yeah, I've gotten into reading at the moment. So I'm trying to read at least a few pages in the evening. Do you like reading? Yeah, I do actually. But I'm, I'm either in a book or I'm not. I kind of can't get through yeah, it if yeah. I'm not interested. I think that's common. I mean, I don't know because I'm not a huge reader, but I yeah. feel like that's a common thing. Like, yeah. You got to get through 150 pages and keep going. Yeah. You get through five, you're like, nah, I'm, I'm out. I just can't get through some of them if I feel like they're yeah. not. What are you? Uh, great. What are you currently reading? Um, I just finished. For um, business or pleasure? It's for pleasure, I think. Yeah, but is it business? No, I don't think so. I reckon it is. <laughs> <laughs> I read um, physiological of elbows or something. Yeah, that was it actually. <laughs> yeah. You sent you a photo of my room. I said no. Yeah, Ev did. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just finished reading the Five AM Club, which was really good. Yep. Um, and then I read The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, which was really good too. So, yeah, just more than like... Give me a 30-second prognosis of both. What's of the biggest both? takeaway of each one? Um, the 5am club was good about sort of owning your morning and setting up a routine that sets you up in good stead for the day. Yep. So, that was that was really good without it being um, too preachy and, sure. you know, chuck a story culty. in there to distract you. Yeah, <laughs> too culty. Um so that was good. Uh, and the monk who sold his Ferrari, that was – I'm going to get this synopsis so wrong and someone else is going to have read it. doesn't matter. Like, that is not what it was the about. The best part is about podcasting is you don't have to read the comments. So. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was more about, I think, what really matters and what doesn't and just how to be a better person. Yep. So, you know, take away all the, the bullshit of life that um, most of us get caught up in and then yep. just worry about – what matters and your impression on people and how much you go out of your way to help other human beings yep. and how that makes you a better person. What matters to you? What matters to me? Well, now we're getting deep. Yeah, I was like, oh, got me by surprise. Seriously? No warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, I, think, I didn't send you any questions either, so. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. <laughs> well, to be fair, for a lot of these, I actually don't write questions. Oh, well, I have like areas I want to talk about and then we just kind yeah. of make it up as it goes. Look, I'm just here in the hot seat ready to... It's not hot. It's cold. The air con's <laughs> yeah. on, you know. The sun was baking in the window when we yeah. walked in, but you're back to being stressed stance though. <laughs> yeah. Georgia, clip it. <laughs> yeah, cut that. <laughs> um, yeah, what matters? I think just being a good person matters to me. Like, I want to be the best person I can, and then I want to inspire other people to be that for themselves and for the people around them as well. Um, I just think you just have to be a good human. And I know that goes around the place here awesome. as well. So, yeah. Not a bad thing. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> what, um, what defines a good human for you? Like what are some qualities you look for? Um, or try to instill in others? Yeah, I just want people to have good values and maybe think outside themselves how things uh, affect people externally before they go and, you know, say something or do something, you know, just have 
other people's well-being in mind first. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you just need to create really good, really good values that make your person people want to be around. Yeah. Yeah. What are your values? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, no, I, I value, you know, respect and loyalty and um, just integrity, I think, as well. Yep. Um, all that sits pretty high on my list of what I look for in people if I want to, you know, create my bubble. You know, you're, yep. the, you're the summation of the five people you mm-hmm. are closest to or hang around the most. It's horrifying for me, but anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit horrifying <laughs> for me too. <laughs> so I think that's why we like it though. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, you, you have to know what they are if you're going to let people in your space and potentially, you know, have an effect on them and they're going to have an effect on you. Yep. What's, um, who or what or how do you think like you've been defined like as am now? Like what's influenced you to be who you are? Or who? Uh, I guess, well, you have to say your parents, don't you? Like they, they you don't have to. Well, yeah, <laughs> they um they bring you up and, you know, they obviously instill a lot of that early, like you, you have respect for them and respect for other people and yeah. show integrity and things like that. Um, so I think definitely them and, uh, so, I don't know, it's just different people as you go through different phases of life. You know, you have your school friends where you're sort of one person and then you leave for uni or work and then yeah. you have work friends and uni friends that sort of mould you further and then you get into your career and then it's same again yep. so but I've always been in like the, f- the fitness health space so you know I've been around you guys for a little bit early days too so that probably helped that mold <laughs> helped hinder no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> depends on the moment yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so that definitely helped that too but I don't know if I could go as a summation pick like one two five people that yeah really made me who I am today yeah what what about recently so in like the last five years like when you started here, very shy, very not confident, yeah. very like I wouldn't say sheltered is the word, but like yep. closed. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. I know, yeah. and I know you know what I mean. But what about now? So, what's made you be a little bit more confident and proud and out there? I guess not out there is probably not a good way of saying yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think and this is for me. Like this is selfish question because no one else knows what little M was like. Oh, so you want me to say you? No, no, absolutely not, because that is a horrifying thing for anyone. (laughs) No, but Um, the change that I've seen you go through in the last kind of like five years has been huge. So like mm. what's helped you do that? I think... I'm not um, saying you're a shit person before that, but like, you know... I'm glad you told people people that part. (laughs) Hey, I say lots of nice things about you. Thank you very much. Just not to my face. I got it. (laughs) Sometimes you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think... So I've, I'm someone who you just have to throw yourself in the deep end and do it. So like even if it's uncomfortable, like you know, at the start I definitely needed to be pushed into that, which, you know, the internship helped with that. You guys as coaches, you know, throw back to like Katie, obviously, you, Cam, Lockie, yeah. um, was throwback. definitely definitely pushed that. Yeah, huge throwback. But definitely, anyone left. I know, still standing. <laughs> still so old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, no, I know. Um, so, yeah, you guys definitely helped with that. And then there was opportunities that if I wanted to take them, I needed to put myself in that situation. So, yep. uh, like, even at footy, you know, I moved into a bit of a leadership role and then I was trying my hand at VFL. So, um, I just kind of had to be pushed into those scenarios. And then at uni, yep. you know, you you have to do presentations, you have to – develop an understanding of things and I've got two degrees and a huge hex net so yeah. I've done that I've done that rodeo twice feels <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so I think that's just set me up for scenarios where if I've wanted to do something I've just thrown myself into the uncomfortable and just done it how did you begin to kind of like cultivate that because it's hard to start yeah I, I think people encouraged me at first like if, if I go back again to the internship and you guys, you know, it was like, will you get up and explain yeah, yeah. <laughs> what this means? Yeah. I don't like, care what you say, but you're in charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, you can do it. Go on. Like, we trust you. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And you sort of go, oh, okay. And it starts off in like a small environment where you're relatively comfortable and then yeah. you sort of progress on to other things. And then there's some things that are just straight up uncomfortable. Like <laughs> I had to go and present to a football club um, 
really recently and the coach just said, hey, can you come down tonight and have a chat to the boys? And, you know, it's all these senior dudes who yeah. don't know me, haven't met me from a bar or soap. And yeah. there's sort of, you know, 40 to 60 of them. And you're like, all right, I'm here to tell you about what you need to do for your athletic performance, what you yeah. need to do for your rehab, what you should be doing, you know, to manage yourself in the season and stuff and sort of have that many people looking at you who don't know you and, you know, you're trying to make a good impression. Now I just do it. Mm-hmm. I think I think I've lost a bit of the factor of, not all of it, but a bit of caring what people yeah, think yeah. or how they perceive you. So, like, I know, understand now that that's less about me and more about other people. So I think I don't take it on board as much as I used to take it on board. Yeah. And I think my when talking to bigger groups and stuff like that, like 10% are going to listen to. Yeah. It's like, nah, the other half don't care to an extent. Yeah. They don't remember. Pretty much. For some of my words, they don't remember. They yeah. go home and eat their dinner and forget that I was even there. Yeah. 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 Um, what's What about kind of how did you get started in like the health Fitness reason because I, this comes from a background of a little insight that I got, oh, which no. I did not know actually. <laughs> uh, so Eb, Eb told me that your family's not really sporty. Well, they've all played sport as kids. They all played sport, yeah. um, and they're very competitive. Yeah, like my parents are very competitive mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so, like I would, I would have an idea that I wanted to play something or do something, and I'd just want to be all in, I'd be like, can you drive me to tennis? I'm also thinking about soccer. What do you think about athletics? And they're just like, we can't be everywhere at yeah. once, Emily. You're going to have to narrow that down and choose. Yep. But like my dad played footy yep. and you know, like all dads, he'll tell you it was great. But who's, by who's who's injuries and <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, if it wasn't for his calf, yeah. he would have made it. <laughs> yeah, I love those ones. Um, and my mum did, uh, I think like netball early days and then got into kickboxing and stuff and there was a while there where she was working at Ozpost, like riding her bike, like riding a push bike. So they've all been relatively fit. So I think that's where it stems from. But I think the competitive side definitely pushed me to get into that space. How many siblings do you have? Just Just one. Just one. Just one younger sibling. Yeah, she's younger. What what does she do? She's, uh, she works at... (laughs) She works at Luna Park, which is ridiculous if you met her. Cause I love that. She's just not a people person or like just not um, into fun and theme yeah, rides yeah. and stuff. Um, and then Extroverted. Yeah, yeah. She's very, very introverted. Mm. Um, and if you heard her speech at my 30th, that would be very apparent. I could, I could imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was half a roast, but she was trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. She had too many drinks and she was awkward. And it it's was an just... unintentional roast of trying to be nice. Yeah, but yeah. I got it and my friends were mortified. They were like, who is this young girl? I love that. It was good though. It was so funny. Um, and she works at a restaurant now too. So she's done – she's more creative than me. So she's done a creative writing and um, editing course and stuff like that. So I think she's just sure. trying to get into that nice. eventually. But, yeah, she's mm. not sporty even a little bit. Cool. So it's quite polar opposites, which was great for all our teachers in yeah. in high school. <laughs> you siblings like, that weren't really siblings. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're a, you, can, you can demonstrate tennis because yeah. you're related to M. Wallace and that. She's like My sister hated me for it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I've got oh, no hand on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. What's so? There's three things I want to talk about: mm. there's athletic life, there's educative, it's a good word, Ooh, yeah. and then personal life. So, like, from like an education point of view, how did you? Have you always been naturally pretty switched on and like book smart? Or at the start, I'm gonna say no or yes and no I was really bad with something if I wasn't invested with it like I did not want to spend any time on it like some stuff at the start like math I was like oh no, I'm not yeah. interested yeah. when is this going to help me you know mm-hmm. but then other stuff like I was always interested in like biology and PE and it's like I put all into that yeah. so I think I'm very motivated to <laughs> invest in the education stuff if it yeah. serves me um, but I wasn't great if I didn't see the value in it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What? How did you find high school from like an education point of view? Oh. Because uh, it to an extent shapes a little bit of the path and what you do. Yeah. Because for me, like I didn't know what sports science was until I got to like year 11. So. Yeah. Well, pretty much the same for me, I think. Like I was always around, like sport was always my thing. And then I liked obviously the training aspect and yeah. exercise stuff. And biology I liked too. So... I think it was the same at careers day when they were like, oh, this is a thing you can do. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, Sounds fun. 
Yeah, it sounds like something I'd want to do. And I then think I was that's like, 98.9% of sports science students. Sounds fun. I yeah, like sport. Sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, God, there's the math again. Yeah. <laughs> Pops up pretty quick. <laughs> well, funny. it's funny you say that because I really, really enjoy math and like that technical side of things and numbers, but yep. I didn't do math in year 11 or 12. Yeah, right. Didn't need it. So yep. I did chemistry instead, so I did the other side of numbers. Yeah, right. Industry. industry. Yeah, anyway. nice. Um, what's... On just while we're uh, we're about twenty three minutes in, if anyone can hear any background music, Jazz is playing some fat bangers downstairs. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I walked in today and Jazz was. I don't know Jazz's. I can't be bothered. It's early mood, but I think I experienced it downstairs, and it was manic. It was giggly. It was crazy. And then there's some bangers playing downstairs. So yeah, you she, hear that in the background. That's that's Jazz being Jazz today. She hides it well. <laughs> yeah, she does. She <laughs> does. Um, what else about high school? What's uh. What did high school aim look like? Uh, life oh look like. God. Not look like. Life like. Yeah, look <laughs> let's, like. Let's Ooh. not bring up those memories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, high school aim. So I went to Hampton Park, just like public yep. high school. Um, and did you I grow up, up that way? Uh, I grew up in Cranbourne, sure. but it was just easier like commute-wise with like family and stuff sure. to, yeah. to go there. Um, so I did I did originally start in the, I don't know if you want to call it like enriched math and English class, but I don't know. Advanced, how much, accelerated. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how accelerated it was, but <laughs> we'll call it that. Spade um, the spade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I sort of, I was always involved in sport, like school sport, team sport. Um, and then eventually as into senior school, I moved into like house captain you know, things like that, a sports yep. captain and things like that. Um, so I was always good with the educational side or mostly good with the educational side. Everyone goes through year nine, you know. <laughs> oh, year <laughs> nine. drops off a bit, yeah. yeah. The one that teachers hate, you know. Yeah, exactly. The Makes sense feral back group. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, but then sort of came out of that and I guess got into some leadership roles even from then, like quite early. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was always, you know, doing school sports or at athletics yeah. and things yeah. like that and yeah what about away from school like that time like what were you doing in your spare time like friend group wise like weekends oh i was still yeah. sporty like obviously but yeah so i still played i still played footy from yeah. when i was 16 so that was my saturdays or sundays whenever they were at that time at some probably stupid time what was morning. that like back in, uh, i want i'm gonna say back in the day but <laughs> it was back in the day it, it was to an extent because it was like early-ish inception of women's footy like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. What, what was that like? Looking back now, seeing the explosion that it's kind of gone through. Yeah. So I had the idea. I don't even know where I got the idea, but I had the idea I wanted to play footy. Like I wanted to start playing footy and then found out there was actually a women's team or like a youth girls team yeah. in Cranbourne. Um, and I went down. I actually, I practiced first with my dad because I don't <laughs> didn't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, dad, you need to teach me how to kick. <laughs> um, so like, obviously he did, he helped. He was pretty excited that I was going down to try and play footy. Yep. And the first, the first session I went down, I remember Jess Wallace was there. So shout out Lockie Wallace's younger sister. No, not shout out Lockie Wallace, shout out Jess Wallace. I'm shouting out Jess, no, but I'm no. saying the association anyway. Because <laughs> everyone asked me if I'm related to him. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I was actually going to ask yeah. that later. Like, are you annoyed by this question? No, no I'm yeah. not, but <laughs> I'm also not no. related. Yeah. <laughs> I'm past it now. Um, and like even... I'm past it <laughs> And some of the girls I played with from youth girls into senior, they're now playing AFLW because yeah. they were just really good. Sure. Yeah, and I sort of – they'd played with the boys and developed proper skills and yep. um, went on went on that path. But it was great to yep. to play footy with them at the start. And, you know, we were – well, I was not very good at the start. <laughs> I was terrible because you go from no contact Cost, sport yeah. to someone hitting you and you're like, ooh, I <laughs> don't know about <laughs> this. This is different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, then we sort of got to a stage where the club got a VFL licence – and then we were playing high level footy, yep. um, and that was an eye opener for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're playing some pretty stacked teams and losing by a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but it was so good to see, you know, our friends all slowly like move up as it sort of started. There was the two teams that would just do an exhibition match, yep. and then it moved into like more teams. So then more people got drafted, and twenty eleven, twelve ish. Yeah, not that early. maybe no. Oh, maybe not that early. Maybe a bit later than that. I knew there was like maybe. 
Yeah, there was like a few years of it where they were sort of doing it, you know, it was very infrequent and then yeah. and then it built from there and then it really exploded from there. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good to see everyone get their opportunities and get to do what they're good at. Yeah, yeah nice. that was great. What um, did you, I know, I know kind of the background of this question, but do you ever think that was a possibility for you? I tried. Yeah. I thought, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, but... I, d- I don't think I had the time available to try and develop the skill that I needed yep. to do because the fitness was fine. Yep. Um, the awareness was okay, but I think like I was kind of good at, you know, the skill side of things, but not good enough to for someone to be like, yep. she's got a really good kick here in yep. or like your awareness, you know, in the midfield yep. is elite. What, so. did, uh, what did giving it a go look like? I I tried out at Saints first, so it's my first year. Yeah, yeah. So first year. So I've got some insight that I'm going to provide you in a minute. But oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so I tried. I tried out panic, there. Panic, panic, yeah. panic! <laughs> I tried out there, and um, like I said, I sort of I wasn't where I needed to be to make the team. So I went back and played local, um, and then I think I tried again at. Saints another year, got invited back and did another pre-season there and got further, but it was still like, you know, by that stage there were already girls that were in the program, so then it was harder to try and, like, get on a list. Um, And then I went down to Box Hill for a full pre-season and I got offered to stay on as part of, like, a development squad, which is, like, you train with a team but you'll play with your local team. And I think that was a real eye-opener for me at that time because I was sort of trying to manage studying osteo. I was yeah. working at the gym morning and night and then I was trying to play footy and obviously train um, at Box Hill. So I, I just sort of said to them, like, I don't think I can commit to that. Yeah. Like, I was tired. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Is that a hard decision to make? Yeah, it was because you sort of need to – I knew I was spreading myself way too thin yep. and I knew that just something had to give and – like in terms of – it might have been different if they were like, you're on the list, but, you know, you need to improve to play consistently. Yep. Then I might have said like, okay, well, I'll just try and make this work for a little bit longer. But yep. um, being in development, it's probably – it was probably better that someone else got a chance who's a little bit younger and probably doesn't have as many commitments so they can actually get through, whereas I was sort of at the back end yep. of my playing age. It probably wasn't worthwhile. What uh, did you try and fill the void with something else? Um, I went back to local footy, yeah. um, which was it's hard when you've trained at a level and yeah. then you go back to local, <laughs> yeah. um, can, and you've, you're uh, in I that can. middle space that's just like, yep, okay. Yeah. I can uh, <laughs> highly relate to that. So that's yeah. that's the reason I actually stopped playing sport altogether. Yeah, went okay. from playing higher level to local and going, I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, I was like, I can't do this. Like, yeah, that was my last year yeah, of footy. I'm someone who, like, I'll do something to get better at it and want to be not the best at it, but as best as I can be. And when you yep. go sometimes from a high level to a lower level, like, I didn't want to do that <laughs> at all. It's just not interesting. Like, it's not stimulating or instilling, like, higher performance. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. Like. I'm, yeah. I'm done. I'm just going to call myself washed up and I'm just going to drift off into the into That's the what bats. I did. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> I think it's hard when you've you've kept meeting constant challenges and then you have a standard that you want to uphold yeah. and then it's just hard, particularly in a large team sport, to try and get that same stimulus yeah. consistently. And yeah. it's nobody's fault. It's just how it is, obviously. There's no, a lot no. more resources at the higher you go. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I sort of found that too. I was just not really in it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that you find yourself getting more frustrated at the things that shouldn't be frustrating. Yeah. So you just drive yourself around in circles and go, oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. pretty much how it happened. <laughs> how did you uh, get down osteopath from sports science? So I did my clinical exercise in sports science. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into EP, so I thought yeah. I just need a year off study um, and then I'll make up my mind from there. Yeah. Uh, on my, in my year off, I went to Europe for nine weeks. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, stay good. Did you like sail Croatia or something oh, else yeah. basic? Yeah. I was like 25. <laughs> of course <out>. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did that and then I sort of didn't know if I wanted to come back. I knew I wanted to do more than just exercise science. Yeah. 
Um, but then I didn't know if I wanted to get into physio or, you know, if I should do something else. And I sort of spoke to a few people and they really raved about their osteos and they said they loved them. Yep. Like it's such a holistic approach. And I thought, well, I'll go to an open day and see what it's actually about. Yep. Um, and I thought it was great, like the the way they approach things. You know, you could still treat like a physio if you wanted to, but yep. it's a bit more holistic and I know moving his medicine yeah and I know Greg talks a lot about like regional interdependence which is a lot of the basis of like how osteo is as well so I yeah I went to an open day and then I I went (laughs) to RMIT and Vic Uni the only unis that offer osteo in Victoria so I enrolled at both seen which one gave me the better timetable and had the better options and then unenrolled in the other one so I ended up at Vic Vic Uni for you to do my osteo degree. How's that? Yeah, it was challenging. <coughs> it was hard. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, knew, I remember that period of you being like, oh, I'm just manic. Yeah, it was just chaos. Yeah. Like I was just trying to get through and I remember I was, I was still trying to play footy while I was at uni and I think it was like second or third year um, and then they made like the interleague team. Yep. So I was playing local footy and then doing interleague training and then they wanted me to be captain of the interleague like the inaugural interleague team as well um i was still working at ifp in the mornings and the evenings so uh, that was just chaos and i remember one of my exams i we had to draw some nerve pathway or something and i that old one yeah i I just wrote all seen that question of an exam (laughs) at some stage during health and fitness sports yeah exactly yeah yeah for sure um and i just remember writing on the page like I'm sorry, but I don't <laughs> But I don't know. And the teacher called me and he was like, you're better than this. I don't know what this is, but <laughs> you can't have this on. I love that. That's He's, such a you like, nah, I'm done. Yeah, I was just like, I'm sorry. I apologise <laughs> on the page though. So it makes up for it, doesn't yeah. it? Um, oh, yeah, so, so I was trying to do a lot and obviously too much because he's like, you need to like decrease your load a little bit because it is full on like the course is the course is a lot more than i think people Banks think it is yeah it's just one everyone of can enjoy two that. cents yeah oh it's the basketball yeah <laughs> anyway as you were um oh god i've lost me now good one banksy yeah come on banksy <laughs> she's obsessed with balls yeah crazy. i saw that oh, i noticed it crazy. earlier um Modern neurons not drawing sorry that's right life. Crazy. yeah implode yeah exactly continue <laughs> um yeah, so it, it, it is full on, but I'm guessing physio is the same, but it sort of asks a lot so you meet the demands like yeah. of really wanting to be in it. I know the dropout rate's pretty pretty high early on and then again before the Masters. So osteo was hard in general. You've got a lot of assignments and, um, you know, you're trying to do hands-on learning and a lot of like biology learning and I know we had like wet labs as well and then – you have OSCEs too, so you have to do in-person exams where someone just makes you talk the whole time and you've got yeah. to, like, show them you have the skills. And some of them were pretty pretty hard. Um, yeah. Like, resits are pretty common in, yeah. in osteo, especially if, you know, to crack someone's neck and you've got someone who almost an exorcist <laughs> and turns around all the yeah. other way. You're like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Whoopsie. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I know. Um, but, yeah, so got through it. So uh, not too badly. Um. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge beside from the workload? Um. I think some some things I didn't find valuable, which is going back to like this is obviously traits I had in high school. I found it very oh. hard to put in yep. things that I don't value or don't see any value from. Yep. Um. So they were they were particularly pretty hard to get through. But then I think I learnt to structure my time in terms of what I put effort into and what I don't. Yeah. I was sort of like, I'm going to do enough here to just get through on this because I don't think it provides much for me, yeah, that's me. in the that's future. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm going to put a lot of effort into this because I think it will have a huge return. Yeah, and it's nearly impossible when you're a student to get value out of everything. It's yeah. not designed to get value out of everything. It's designed to cater for the 80%. Yeah, exactly. 20% of what you're actually interested in is what you can go on deep dive. But like yeah. some of the stuff, so clinical for me was like, I'm not just like not doing that. Yeah. It was the same as me. I was like, I'm happy to put in very little effort and probably sign in, uh, send in some assignments late, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. It doesn't matter because I'm really interested in that and that's what I'm going to go down. So Yeah, pretty much. And it's I, about prioritising too. Like I don't think, yeah. I think uni kind of undervalues that to an extent. Yeah. 
A little bit. I think so. I think so too. Um, all right. We've got about 20 minutes left. Okay. Just before, because you've got to drive back to single road Cranbourne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's... What about rehab interests you? So we're going to shift to we're going to talk shop for twenty minutes. You get a nerd okay. out here. This is All right, great. your permission to nerd. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I think I like most people will say that are in the rehab space. You like the problem solving aspect of things, and I think that paired with just the person I am wanting to care for people or help people. It just moulds in quite well. Like I tell because you kind of did this one a little bit. Set up and goes. All right, talk well. shop. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm committed. Um, yeah. so no, I really I find it really rewarding. I think taking from people from um, initial injury, and I am a bit of I shouldn't admit this, but I'm a bit of a control freak. So I like with that. Yeah, <laughs> you so, like your thing done your way. Yeah, so I like I like seeing people from like pre and then helping them develop a plan of how they're going to get through what's that going to look like what's their end stage what are their goals to get there and then how am I going to facilitate that and how are they going to achieve that so I think I like I like being able to like follow them from the start and then help them all the way through their journey to get to a point where they're back doing what they love or like just say trust their bodies again it's a huge thing as well Yeah. Which is why I wanted to talk to you about systemizing the continuum because I know that you love that shit. And <laughs> I know that you probably didn't know that I knew that about you, but that's why we're here. So what what's it look like from like general overview broad, like start to finish, like in your world, how do you go about systemizing start to finish? So I think uh, initially I, I like people to come in and have a conversation as early as possible. So like I want people to know what it's going to look like. So I think that's the the biggest thing is you have to set out what the expectations are because if you initially say do an ACL or something, yeah. you're devastated. Yeah. So initially you're like, this is it. I can't play sport anymore. You go into a catastrophizing mode. Like, what do I do? Who do I see? You know, and you hear that with some young people that they go to the GPs and they're like, oh, do you have a surgeon? Like, why would I have a surgeon? <laughs> like, <laughs> who would I know what to go see, you know? Um, so I think I like getting them in early and then just taking away that unknown. So setting the expectations and them knowing that, okay, there's a plan, there's a process. I know how it's going to look good and bad. And then I know what's going to happen out the other side of it. So I think that's the first, that's the first thing I like to tick off from a starting point. Um, Yes, you're still allowed to feel pretty average about it. Like it's, it's you know, it's significant or even an insignificant injury. Like if you're sort of around finals time and you want to play, yeah. like it's pretty devastating. So yeah. I think just setting the expectation for people at the start allows you to then build the system from that, that they can actually achieve or excel or at least know how it's going to look. Yep. What are your like base expectations? Like what do you, what are the common ones you always seem to bring yourself back to? In terms of expectations from the person? Both. Um, so I have pretty high expectations from myself, yep. firstly, to be able to provide this person the care that they need. And if I don't think I'm the person for that, I will send them elsewhere. Yep. So I think that's first what you have to recognise. Like, is this something actually for me or is this something that needs to go further than me? Or yep. do I need to involve someone else in their care? Um, I think the other thing is like I will tell the person – what the process looks like, but then what's also expected from them in the process for it to go smoothly. So, you know, if someone's early, like post-op for say ACL or something like that, um, you know, there's expectations of what they have to do across the, across the first two to four weeks to set their rehab up well so that they're where they want to be in, you know, four months, six months, nine months. Um, so I will explain that to them quite clearly so they know what the expectations are and yep. then what it looks like if they're meeting them or not meeting them. Um, what if someone doesn't meet them? Well, I mean, I used I used to get quite stressed about that. So I would, I think I would definitely project onto people and be like, you're not doing as yeah, much yeah. as you need to do. You're not going to be where you want to be. Like but a motherly like, approach. Yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? But some people just don't care enough about it yeah. and I think – I've stopped taking that on board as being my responsibility to make them care. You can only give people all the information and then they can do what they want with that. But if you just set out the expectation of if you're coming in the gym two times a week, you're not going to, you know, this is your volume. This is someone who's coming in like, you know, 
There's six times a week. 168 hours in a week and that's three of them they're using. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to someone else who's using 18. Like yeah. you're not going to be on the same time continuum in, yeah. you know, your goals and outcome measures and mm-hmm. return to run, train, play and then you can't then get upset yeah. when that point is not there for you because you're not meeting the benchmarks that I've clearly set out for you. Yeah. What are your uh, metrics that you use to start with? What do you what do you work off? Generally, let's say it's just like a lower body injury. Just that's a bit easier, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, generally, I think like most people are the same. In you want to restore their range of motion. Yep. You know, there's restrictions around some things, but you want to restore it to best of ability, and then make sure you protect the area so it can actually heal properly, and you're not putting extra stress on other things around the area or um, putting them under loads or stress that will affect their motor control. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You're trying to sort of maintain uh, some neurological input, get them some stimulus, but nothing that will will annoy the joint or the area that's healing and then sort of work through to get their range of motion and improve their range of motion. Yep. Oh, hey, Banksy. Oh, hello, Banksy. Just let yourself in. Yeah, why not? No worries, Gil. <laughs> um, and then sort of from there, you want to lose as little capacity as you can yep. in everything. So for me, generally, I try and maintain their their load or stimulus around the other things. So like you can still train upper body, sure. you can still maintain some aerobic capacity and there there is some good uh, research articles and outcomes in maintaining aerobic capacity yep. whilst in early rehab and that the effects that has for healing. Yep. So that's generally the things I'm trying to work around is, you know, restore their range of motion, um, try and maintain or restore their function and yep. then try and lose as little functional capacity as possible during that stage without yep. doing anything to harm the injured area. So you want to protect protect that joint site. Yeah. What are some like common, not mishaps, but areas of kind of like confusion that the body goes through like in early stage? Uh, that the body goes through? Yeah. Or mind. Yeah. So I think there's a fear response. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which is normal. Um, and then... With, with that fear response, obviously, there's the inhibition of motor control. So you do adapt to ways of moving and you change you change how, how you move or um, how you load. I think that's a lot of what happens, which isn't necessarily a mishap. That's very normal. And yep. it's like our job to, to try and um, decrease the amount of that that happens. So then their rehab set up for success later. I think another thing is some people get to a point where they're like, it feels good, I'm going to push it. And I've definitely had that before where I've had someone go, my knee feels really good, I'm four months down the track of ACL, (laughs) I'm going to go for a one-kilometre time trial on concrete. No, 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 let me in, let me in. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm like, you know, the next day they're like, my knee's pretty sore, I don't know what I've done. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God, I've ruined the graft. I'm like, no, it's actually a lot stronger than that. But, you know, as... Uh, however, weight rugby player, you can't be sprinting on concrete yeah. after a one ARM box squat to yeah. <laughs> because it's your knee felt good. Because now way. this is where you are. Yeah. Um. So I think sometimes th- people get a bit overzealous, which is it's great that they're at a position that they feel good, but um, you know, you you need to probably reinforce that. Yes, I know it's going well, but that doesn't mean we just yeah. send it at the first opportunity we get. So, if you were to define like your philosophy of your approach to rehab or your systems, yeah, I know you love this. Oh God, the philosophy question. Yeah, philosophy. <laughs> I actually don't think I've asked someone's philosophy yet. Yeah. That might be the first one. Oh, it was seven or eight episodes in. In asked it's twice. It's impressive. <laughs> and actually. I still don't have yeah, a good now one. looking back and reflecting, that's impressive. Oh, good work. <laughs> philosophy on systems. What does it look like? Um, uh, so I spoke about this in another podcast briefly, I think the first thing is you have to meet the person where they're at and that's what I was talking about, expectations of what they're actually willing to put in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like it is my responsibility but it is also their responsibility. So I think you can give someone the best plan but whether they're going to buy in as much as you think they're going to buy in is different. Um, And that sometimes there is setbacks in rehab. You know, sometimes there is little things you can't help or... You know, there is there is times where y- you want to push forward, but you have to pull back a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's that's totally normal. So just being willing to accept those, you know, like dips in their rehab process, and then be able to push them back. What is what yeah. are some tools you use to set up your systems? Um, so I usually like macro cycle plan out someone's rehab. Sure. So like from start to finish, what it looks like. So I'll usually reverse engineer 
rehab programs. All right, what is what is the end stage yeah. look like? How do you, how do you track that? Um, usually, there's some time. There's some time periods of like when you can and can't Gosh. implement things. Yeah. Um, but like, it's also you you can use S and C um, S and C principles to know like you know it's going to take 12, 12 weeks to make substantial um, hypertrophy or or strength yep. gains of like pretty consistent training yep. and what volumes and loads that needs to be and what that looks like. But then you can sort of plan that out or map that out from there. Yep. Um, and then I'll usually do them depending on the injury, whether they're days, weeks or sure. month blocks. Yep. And then each block will have a training week in that block and what that week looks like to set yep. them up for success when I'm testing it at the end of that block. Yep. Software-wise, how, how do you track the macro? Uh, I do all my macros in an Excel spreadsheet. So they're by um, like a phase, the goal of that phase, um, what we're working on in terms of the goals or the criteria they have to meet. I'll give that to the athlete as well. So they know what they are clearly. Um, And then it's usually like the correctives I need to give them for the stage of rehab that they're in, what off-legs conditioning they're doing, what's their strength focus, uh, their running mechanics. So they'll start – really early um so it sets them up to to be in good stead to run well when they first go to run and then their return to contact continuum or their skills work as well if it's if it's appropriate and then i usually program that all on at the moment on train heroic sort of being like phase blocks for most people do you set up templates or like structure wise yeah so i had i had a lot of templates that i worked on when I was at Axis that were on Team Builder, but then obviously I moved over to Train Heroic, so yeah. I'm building all those templates again, <laughs> yeah. which is great. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing that from Excel and Google Sheets into Train Heroic. Yeah, it's just so such an arduous process that if yeah. you have interns, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you I don't have did that. Some of it actually. Yeah, well, we might not have had Train Heroic back actually when you did your internship. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you did, but um, yeah. So now I'm in the process of just I'm just doing them as they're coming through. Sure. Rather than trying to do it all at once. Yeah. What's your uh, exit criteria look like? For any Just a lower body injury. Yeah. Um, in terms of return to play. Yeah, let's go return to train. Return to train, yeah, like so gym like running, or contact, anything oh, like that. Oh, so as well. training. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just in general, like what's what do you take someone through to clear them through different stages of their rehab? I think is probably a better question. Um, it's quite different through different injuries but I want them to uh, generally have like an asymmetry measure so what percentage of asymmetry they are from limb to limb Um, and then what's your favourite one for that for the asymmetry or general ones you use yep uh, we we use the valid equipment for that stuff which is good Um, so generally it's the dyno to start or we have some capacity testing for like you know single leg squats or bridges or Mm -hmm. things like that because you can't you can get through box squats at a very high load yeah. with two legs yep. and cheat. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't cheat with one leg. So we try and get them on one leg as soon as possible. So then you're sort of making up for the the strength losses and the motor control losses yep. as well as like them not being able to cheat out loading that leg. Um, but generally, yeah, we'll have some sort of fun- functional capacity for single leg loading, um, some asymmetry gaps that we want to close or limb symmetry indexes of like around 80% if yep. they're when they're going back to – to training sometimes it's a little bit higher depending on what what you're looking for um we want them to be able to uh handle impact forces so be able to do plyometrics quite comfortably so whether that's single leg pose pogos single leg jumps drop jumps box jumps things like that um we'll generally test that on a force plate as well just to make sure the symmetry is there um because you sort of don't want to let them go back in to running and there's been something underlying that's quite significant yep. and then you're trying to chase tail when they're back in training and you can't catch up. Yep. So that's probably some of the some of the indicators, but I know I'm going to listen back to this and be like, oh, I forgot to make five yeah. things. <laughs> I think it's impossible for us to think of everything in the moment. Too, yeah, that's but that's why, why I write systems. Yeah, that's why I write it down. Like yeah. I have to write it down in a macro plan for that reason. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm the same. Like if I don't see it, I'm not going to think about it until I go back and look at something else and go, should that do? Yeah. Um, what's what does anything change? Um, let's say you get rid of a hurdle, right? Someone's mm. not out in their system. How do you communicate and then process that with the athlete? So I have had this. Yeah. Like I've definitely had this happen. So I think it's common. 
Yeah, I've had it happen where there's been a breakdown of communication with like myself and the athlete or myself and the like medical staff or for whatever reason, um, there's something underlying. Like I know one of the guys that I was rehabbing at one stage was rehabbing an ACL, but he could tolerate running around the oval one direction. He couldn't tolerate running around the oval in the other direction. So I was like, he should (laughs) be tolerating this. Like not really understanding, but he also did come to me quite late in his rehab. Like he was already um, like I think six weeks in or something by the time he came in to see me. So I was like, maybe it could be something to do with his early rehab that he hasn't done um, that we've missed out on. But I had to sort of chase up his surgical reports and I called the surgeon and I was like, what's going on? Yep. And then he said, oh, no, he's had a meniscal repair yeah. <laughs> as well. I'm like, oh, this information would yeah, have been great been at the handy. start. Yeah. But, you know, you, I, I rang the athlete straight away and I was like, look, you know, because he thought he's had um, his graft fail before. Sure. And then I explained to him – this is the reason the first graph probably failed is because yep. there was something that was missed and it's not intentional or like anyone's fault. It's just, it is hard to pick up. Yeah. Um, and that's not what's happened this time. Like this time it's just a little bit annoyed because there's been something we should have worked around, but for whatever reason you didn't know and I didn't know. Yep. Um, which I'll take that on board. Like I probably should have spoke to the surgeon sure. myself yeah. if he was coming in late. Um but then we just we just pivot. So it didn't take the running completely away from him. We just adjusted the surface he did it on, the directions he did it in, yeah. and he did more linear stuff. And then we worked on some more strength capacity measures in a range that his knee would like more yeah. to facilitate him being able to return. Yeah. And he's also had – I did say, you've, you know, you've had two recodes essentially yeah. quite close together. Like yeah. it's going to be a little bit sensitive it's to – It's going to be hard. Yeah. yeah swelling and you know overloading and stuff so I think so long as you communicate it with the athlete um, and you get them to a point like they understand they feel okay about it and give them space to actually take it on board first like don't just lay all the information on them and then go okay great so I'll see you when you come in next (laughs) Uh, so you have to actually give them space and say do you have any questions is there anything unsure of are you worried about anything and then talk that through with them and most people are pretty responsive to that yeah yeah especially if you say like it's no one's fault like don't throw shade on the surgeon or you know their physio beforehand it just doesn't do anything for anyone so yeah yes I have two questions before we finish okay question one what does what can athletes do now to stop them having to be in your clinical room what can they do better I think People can be a lot more committed to their training. Yeah. I think a lot of people are underloading. Yeah. So I think a lot of people overload the, the running yes. and the conditioning. Yeah. I think a lot of people underload the strength training and the recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely not enough recovery that people are doing to actually allow themselves to have that, um, you know, that neurological down regulation yeah. to be able to go again. I think everyone's running, you know, up it's here and we've all done itself. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's back. Yeah. Okay, cool. Come. Four years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of people are, yeah, are underdoing the strength training, like appropriate strength training sure. for sport, which looks very different to how a lot of people like to. Bodybuilding splits. <coughs> yeah, bench press and yeah. barbell row and Flat then rows. forget about their legs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like generally I think you need somewhere like – five five sets of volumes of eight to ten or something at a certain percentage of their body weight to actually make consistent muscular gains and then you lose it if you're not hitting that so i don't a lot of people aren't hitting that yeah at all (laughs) so that's a good way to not let me see you when you're injured (laughs) this is the thing about like a lot of rehab is like i love hanging out with you but i don't really want to hang out with you yeah (laughs) you don't want to see me especially at saints we say well i see you do obviously i did a little bit of rehab and now when jazz comes over it's like yeah we like hanging out with you but we'd rather not yeah. We like when we don't have to do anything this time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, second question before, or last question. Yep. Before we finish talking shop, and then I'm yep. going to ask you a couple others. But oh, God. No, it's okay. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um, what, what are you excited about in the rehab space? Um, I'm excited that it's progressing. Yeah. So where rehab was to where it is now is a, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Like it's really growing. The expectation of what practitioners know and the S&C part of it is yeah. – 
huge. Like people are really starting to nail the outcomes for rehab and yep. how that looks and what people can tolerate. Like it's just the rehab game is just leveled up and it's it's great. It's great it's for anyone. Less and banded ERs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's like there's progression. It's monitored. It's specific. Yep. It's safe. It allows technologies coming along. Yeah, and you yeah you get to you get all these technologies that can measure things really accurately and objectively, which yep. is fantastic. Just makes our life so much easier and so, so much, much harder. <laughs> yeah, well, both. Yeah, you're but right. I'll take both. It. That's why we do it. Yeah. All right, and we are going to wrap it up. Uh, what you like about the last hour? What did you talk about you didn't think you were going to have to talk about? Uh, high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's an easy one. That gets everyone. Yeah, so high school I didn't think. Because um, not, not a lot of these episodes come out yet. They will when this one gets released. No one quite knows what's coming, which is such a nice place to be. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, yeah, I didn't think high school was going to get brought up. The philosophies and values always get me a little bit, but I, sure. they're, they're, they, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I hate asking those questions, so... You're unlucky that I asked you those questions. Yeah, that's all right. I don't mind them. <laughs> Second, well, last question before we actually finish. Uh, who would you re- who would you like to hear from? Oh, who would I like to hear from? So Campbell is coming on when he gets his I shit heard together. That. Yeah, when he gets his shit together, he's cancelled on me three times. But yeah, that sounds about right for yeah, Campbell. I know. <laughs> I know how Campbell works. So. Uh, Campbell, I reckon Boone. You yeah, get he's Carla. on my list. He's yeah, on my list. He's yeah. Um, who else? I'm trying to throw you someone left field. Yeah, give me someone who is not in. Our worlds, but is in your world. In our worlds. Um, so I, I, I have someone I will ask very nicely to talk to in your world. But oh I yes, yeah, yeah, go on. Who yeah, yeah. Get get Ebony Hobson on the podcast. That's one because I think it's going to be entertaining as shit. Yeah, or you could get her and Todd together. That would be good. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I haven't seen Todd in years. Yeah, they're. The racing game's lifted. Oh, He's, uh, so much. Gone so. Over to and America. that's what I want to talk about because it's a different space. Yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah. good. It's, it's so interesting. All the moto sports I find really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be good. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really have another one for you. <laughs> ah, I like that. Because yeah, that was the person I was thinking of. All right, Em. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Are you sure? Yeah. Not, not too painful. You look more comfortable now. I am. I'm do we do a heart now. rate check? What's your heart rate at? This is a normal for our guests. No, we didn't do one on the start. 78. I'm 78. actually feeling all right. That's pretty good. Jazz normally sits about 95, so. Yeah, right. It's not too bad. I'll take pretty that. Pretty calm and cool. I'll take that as well. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for coming. We're out of here. Another episode of Virtus Podcast. Welcome to Lucy. Have a good day.